If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Everybody, this would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. We appreciate you joining us. Hope all is well. Good Thursday to you. Interesting show today. Alex Atkins is going to join us on the program. Looking forward to talking to Florida State's offensive coordinator and offensive line coach as uh, Alex is uh, well thought of around these parts. I, uh, I would venture a guess uh, that Alex Atkins is, other than Mike Norvell, the most popular coach on the staff, and uh, he's, for a good reason, kind of earned it. When you think about this fan base, when you think about the frustrations, and not just the losses and the ups and downs and all of that, but the consistent problems for a long period of time involving the offensive line, uh, then you really realize how it is that somebody can be held on high when you get a modicum of good play, and he's done more than that. Florida State's gone from atrocious on the offensive line to a plus to we think maybe just maybe and I'll ask him very good this year as a uh, as a strength of the team possibly that's kind of interesting to say we certainly know the offense is and it all begins uh, no matter what kind of offense you run with the offensive line and the quarterback so got to have that group you got to have that pairing and Alex Adkins has been a big, huge part of that plus him as a recruiter also have a chance here uh, momentarily to talk to Ingram Smith, CEO, Battles End. Uh, a lot of people, obviously, are well aware of what Battles End has done 
so far for Florida State in regards to being a collective that uh, focused on, we know their achievements, that's been well-documented, uh, roster retention. Now there's a look into the future as they release their website today. You get an opportunity to find out how you can be a part, of, if you like what they do, how you can be a part of what it is they do. And I'll talk to Ingram about what their future plans are and navigating that space. I think it's certainly fascinating. And it's uh, really, uh, it's kind of an, uh, an ever-changing uh, environment. And so uh, I think it's got to be kind of difficult uh, to know what comes next, but you certainly have to be out in front of that. So we look forward to it as well. As you can tell, as we begin the show here, I am still at the house. I don't feel like getting everybody sick at the office when you go into a studio and you're on the mic and you feel like I feel in the last 72 hours, you're not doing your coworkers any favors. So I apologize. Believe me, uh, I'm happy to be able to do the show. I'm happy to be able to have strong content this week for you. If you missed yesterday's show, make sure you go back and listen on Warchant TV or you download the pod or you go to warchant.com and read the accompanying article. We did have defensive coordinator Adam Fuller on the show yesterday, and I thought he was outstanding. As always, he was direct. Uh, and his candor is greatly appreciated. I've said that before. That is really a strength in addition to building this roster back up to a place where Florida State can win football games. I think one of the strengths of this coaching staff, no doubt, has been transparency and willing willingness to, to open up the doors and have conversations and allow people to cover it in a way that allows us to provide context for you and information and insight as we get set to head into the spring, which uh, we're all really excited about, and we want to carry that on today. So Alex Atkins uh, joins us. So. Short of being live on the air in studio, this is the best we can do this week. I promise you I'm angling to get better doing the uh, the ever so boring pounding of water, sleeping ungodly amounts of hours whenever you can, mixing in the occasional article or documentary and falling back asleep. But that's what we're set to do this week on the show. And that's what we're going to continue to do today. Hello, Tommy. Hello. I suspect that if we didn't have such a lineup of great guests these last two days, that there might have been a best of Ari on 93.3 FM and yeah. maybe some best of segments on Warchant TV. But it's great to hear the coordinators. And yesterday, you're right. We already have two articles on Warchant.com based upon what Adam Fuller said. We could probably write a couple more. But if you want to get exactly the way he said it, how he said it and watch him, just be sure to tune in to Warchant TV. Today with Atkins, I'm going to be interested because we had this discussion. It also was a standalone video from one of our segments on the channel, but they've got about a dozen competitors for five spots on the offensive line. A full stop. At yeah. Florida State, you have about a dozen competitors yeah. for five starting spots on the offensive line, and you really wouldn't be disappointed with any of those 12 becoming a starter because by definition, they've earned their place. Mm -hmm. And two, the base level of talent in the trenches has come a long, long way in just about three or four years. It's amazing how this was, next to linebacker, the most consistently talked about bad position group in this program. And now when you list among the deepest on the roster, it's one of the first two or three that you have to bring up. I know that Alex Atkins, we, we skip over the fact that he coordinates the offense and he helps with the game plan every week an awful lot. But I think we come back to the offensive line, not just because it's his position group, but because of how fundamentally different it is to talk about offensive line play at Florida State. That's not going to get old anytime soon. 
No, it won't. And I, and I think the when we talk about consistency and we talk about the ability to be consistent, it all begins with the offensive line. I think that's true at every level. I, I think when you watch in the NFL, the Bucks are a great example. We're both Bucks fans, and so maybe maybe you're new tuning into the program to watch the Alex Atkins interview, or you just got uh, clued into us recently. Tom and I are both from the Tampa Bay area. We're both diehard Bucks fans. Uh, and we all know that Brady won a Super Bowl there. But really, in truth, you, you watch it play out, right? For all the star-studded skill positions and Hall of Famers and potential Hall of Famers uh, that were on that Super Bowl winning team that beat the Chiefs, it was really that offensive line that enabled you to do everything. And they dominated the line of scrimmage in that football game. And they really dominated the line of scrimmage in the games that they had to have where contests were, were equal, where, where the skill positions were equal. It was the offensive line that carried the day for the Bucs and allowed Leonard Fournette to become playoff Lenny, right? And that, that's what that was. And I think that's true when you watch teams, you know, look at how much better the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line was this year than last. And they go in and Patrick Mahomes a magician and they've got talent for days. That's true of all teams that make it that far in the postseason. But that offensive line stoned the Philadelphia's front four, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles front four. And you watch that and you think, oh, well, that was really your ball game. They had zero sacks. They were on the verge of breaking the sack record. So, I think that if Florida State is going to remain consistent and be able to lose players, you're always going to lose high-profile players. At the end of this year, you're going to lose Jordan Travis, which will be a magnificent loss, quite frankly, if we're talking about what he's become and what he means to this offense and what he means to this team and bailing you out of bad plays occasionally, bailing you out of breakdowns, bailing you out of situational problems in which there's penetration and he's able to make guys miss in a phone booth. But if you're going to stay consistent and continue to win nine, 10 games and put yourself in a position in the years in which you have some veteran leadership or somebody special at quarterback to maybe make a playoff run like we're hoping they do this year, it's going to be the offensive line. And so Alex Atkins is always going to be a high profile. Plus, he's fun to listen to. He's straightforward. He's a no-nonsense guy. He's a really good teacher. I'm not saying that because he's on the show today. This is stuff I've said before. We get the privilege of going to practice and listening to his coaching style. And I love it because it's all at once hard-nosed. Uh, he's not afraid to tell you when you're wrong. He's not afraid to get after you when you uh, perhaps or maybe not giving your best on a certain rep and you're tired. He's not afraid to tell you about technique issues. He's also not afraid to come over and pat you on the ass and tell you you're doing a great job if you've stayed consistent and worked hard and gotten better. Uh, he'll protect his guys in the press. Uh, when you listen to him and the way that he talks about that group, it's sort of like I can talk about him a certain way. You can't. I love that about him because that tells players that no matter how hard your coach is on you, he's got your back. And therefore, he's allowed to be gruff. Let's put it that way, because, you know, he cares and, you know, that he has your best interest in mind. He's proven it time and again publicly. And also those players, frankly, have all gotten better. They've all gotten better. Even the guys that don't start that, that, you know, and that's something that, you know, I really admired about Jimbo Fisher. We, we, we often bring up the negatives of Jimbo Fisher because of the way it ended and that's fine. But one of the things that I really liked about Jimbo Fisher, and if you were grading out his strengths, this would have been one for sure. The way he treated every quarterback on the roster when it was their rep, the way he talked to them after each rep, the way that he taught them after each rep, to me, that, that is how a coach should be. You could be a walk-on, and if you did it right, he told you. If you did it wrong, he told you why. Now, it may not be in the most flowery of language, but you were going to be taught what was what and why. 
It was important to him that everybody deserved that sort of attention when it was their turn, right? And starters get more reps than backups. We get all that. But when it was your time, you were going to learn something. I think that's true with Alex Adkins big time. I watch him coach up guys that aren't, that aren't going to play. They're just not going to play. Or they're, if they are going to play, they're two and three years removed from having an opportunity put to play. You wouldn't know it with his hands-on approach and the way he goes about coaching them up in the hopes that the light bulb comes on or that, who knows, they have a growth spurt and they put on some weight and it's good weight or whatever it might be. Those guys are prepared because they're coached the same every day. It's going to be fun to talk to Alex Adkins, but it's also fun for us as fans and as Florida State uh, analysts to look at the program and talk about an offensive line that gives you a chance to win every game. Yeah, there's a lot there. And, and what I'd say is just to paint the picture of practice, there are times when they go through mental reps with the offensive line where they're talking about either a specific opponent that's coming up or it's almost like situational baseball drills, you know, where the coach has the fun go bat, but he's hitting the ground balls to the infield. And he's like, all right, here's the situation. Seventh inning, runner yeah. on second. You know, where do we go with the baseball? That kind of a thing. They do that with the mental reps with the offensive line. There's no defender. or Sometimes if there is, it's a walk-on who's just kind of going through the motions or, or a scout team defender. But it's like, okay, here's their front. Here's our call. What do you do? Snap. And then you go through the mental reps. That's a lot of fun to watch because that gets into the chess of what's going on. Then there's also what I, would, I call like the judo of the offensive line where he's talking about physical technique, how to use somebody's movements against them, things like that. That's just basic offensive line technique. But you learn a ton if you hang around for 15 minutes or a couple of periods yeah. when he's going through it with everybody from a vet to a younger player. And then there's the best part, which is when the offensive line, and the defensive line go to work against each other in those individual drills. And you see a legend in Odell Hagens standing next to a recent legend, you know, in, in, in the making in Alex Atkins. And after every rep, they're both silent. They both watch the individuals. And then after every rep is over, they start yelling, but they're yelling at different people and they're yelling at the same volume. And it's like they go down these divergent paths to say what the hell was wrong or what the heck was right with each individual drill. It's just a lot of fun to watch because it's a combination of the mind, but then also the physical part of it. He does it really, really well. And, you know, when you don't do it right, it could be very uncomfortable. I've seen a couple of drills in which there's an individual player getting an individual task or technique wrong. And if you don't do it right, you do it again. Will, you will do it again. And everybody else is going to wait. And you know that feeling that you get? Like maybe if you were taking BP and, and you didn't you didn't roll it over the right way because you, the coach says you got to pull it through the hole or whatever, you got to take it the other way. And he'll just keep throwing until you do it. And everybody's kind of standing there and you yeah. feel the anxiety. Oh, buddy, that's real. When you get to three and four minutes of over and over instruction, it's it gets uncomfortable. But somehow he finds a way to not make it uncomfortable between him and the player because they know that they're getting better. So all those little things that you see, they manifest themselves in the games. And it's easy to see why Florida State's improved because of the different variety of things that he teaches them on a day to day basis. That anxiety was felt by me at the blackboard in Trig. Oh, yeah. Not a fan. Don't need all that. Don't have to invite me up to the blackboard. There's no cause for all that. Just please disperse with the lesson. I'll figure it out at the house. I don't need to be up here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't need all that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't think about the classroom. Yeah, uh, but that's that anxiety you feel when yeah. you're in an uncomfortable situation or a hard class and maybe you're not exactly where you need to be and they call on you and you're like, Man, really? Come on, man. Jerry over here is an ace in this sub. Get Jerry up there. He'll do fine. <laughs> that was uh, in Mr. Gasper's class. He put up on the overhead. Not not the projector, but the overhead. 
Yeah. And you'd have little connectors in anatomy class. He's like, all right, Tommy, show me the tibial tuberosity. Where's yeah. tibial tuberosity? I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's a shin bone. He's like, where is it? It's like one through seven. Is it one? Is it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love those. You're not six foot five, 300 pounds. You have to go through little things like that. But yeah. if you are six foot five, 300 pounds, you go through what Alex Atkins teaches. Well, you. and those one-on-one drills are, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when I coached just the, the Timberland Raiders here in town, I remember those lessons and it's fun because you get a lot of those lessons on the offensive and defensive lines. That's where the most amount of physical reps take place. The Oklahoma's, if you will, for lack of a better term. And I remember when you had a kid and I, and I sense this with Alex Atkins, this is why way I'm bringing it up. When you have a kid who's got ability, but he's not realized that ability. You're so desperate for him to understand that he has that a, he's just got to believe in himself and trust it. And then B, you want him to realize it as soon as possible so that you can move on to the next guy that you've got to develop. Like once that kid gets it, I'll still coach you up, but I know you're where I need you to be. I got to get these other guys over here. You have ability. Let's get this together so I can talk to these guys that I'm going to have to kind of piece it together with. And I remember making, I don't want to call out first names. There was a kid named Martinez. I, I could hear it in my head. Martinez, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. And everybody would stand around and they'd look over at me. And I'm like, we're going to do it until he gets it. And, you know, and when you're dealing with a 13-year-old, it's like you may invoke tears and it's uncomfortable, but you yeah. got, you got to get them there. And yeah. I think every coach at every level knows what that is. Yeah, the rage tears. You know, you, like, you're right. He's right. like, oh, hard. He's like, mm, and the, but there's tears coming down. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes uh, it brings out the best. Other times yeah. you have to end the drill. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I'll clean up the language of something I saw. I'll just say it's in the last year of Alex Atkins coaching. And this isn't out of school or giving away secrets or whatever. But he's talking about a technique, uh, a blocking, uh, I guess you call it a blocking call in pass protection based upon a certain look that a defense is doing. And he's talking about how they could run a, a stunt or a twist at the offensive line. And, you know, if they go out this way, then you, you go here. It's basically like a chessboard. So if he moves here, this is what you do. But he said, now, sometimes they're going to trick you and they're going to do this. And you tell that kid to screw off. I want you to yell at him. You tell him to screw off. And, and he, he said a little bit more than that. Yeah. Because that doesn't matter. Where yeah. are we going? We're going over here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are times when you're supposed to be a professional at practice, but you just have to put your notebook over your face because you're just cracking up, man. Uh, it's funny. I like coaches that, and and this is true in general. We'll we'll move on with the program, and uh, but I I I like coaches that in football you can do this. Not many other sports. You can tell a kid, uh, a young man who's a little uncertain that one of the ways that you can grab some certainty as to your assignment is to, to proclaim it. Yeah. When you get to the line of scrimmage and I've, I've said this all the time, but I, I had coaches who used to say, it doesn't matter if he knows you're going to block him. Yeah. <laughs> he still has to whoop your ass and you have to whip his, this game can get boiled down to really simplistic things. Yeah. You know, it's you and me, Tommy, that's it. It doesn't matter if you do a spinny do or if I if this is it. Uh, you ain't you ain't seen a spinny whippity do. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. 
You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Hold his paw. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Look at this guy. We get to bring him in. I've known Ingram Smith. He's now the CEO of Battles Inn, but I knew him when, when none of you all knew him. He was this board up, rising star in the radio world at 980 up in Atlanta. And then now look at this guy. He's Everybody wants to talk to Ingram. The Battles Inn website is, is up, and we're going to talk to him about that. And You can find out how you can be a part of it. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Great to talk to you, Jeff. Uh, certainly appreciate you letting me talk to the broader uh, JCS Warchant audience. And uh, yeah, we're we're excited. Uh, it's been 80 days since we kind of threw our hat into the field and said, uh, give us a second. Let us you know, see if what we can do is something that you'd be interested in perhaps being a part of later down the road. And today's our first day to let people move on that uh, request if they're so interested in. So NIL is an, an incredible space, uh, uh, an incredibly complicated and uh, and convoluted space at times, but it's been a lot of fun and we're real proud of the impact that we've been able to have. And we're only looking forward to getting more people involved in it. So. Yeah, I'm going to pull up in a moment here. I'll have Tom put up, uh, let everybody see a good look at the website and navigate that with you a little bit. But I do, I do want to ask you, uh, it's been an incredible time. And, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, first of all, let's go back. It has been nearly three months. And I imagine in that time, Ingram, you've learned a lot. The organization's learned a lot. It's ever changing. It, uh, it always feels like, I think, to the average fan and, and even those of us in media covering the team and all of the facets of covering a team, um, that it, it's, it's hard to know what's coming down the pike amidst all the changes and, and it's hard to know how to navigate that space, but you're in it on a daily basis. And, and you guys have obviously had an awful lot of success in a short period of time. I guess if you would walk me through these last three months and talk about how far we've come and I guess project a little bit about how it is you see the battles in role uh, moving forward as a collective and, and what we may see in that landscape, that space that is changing. Sure. So uh, it's fascinating. I mean, it was just kind of a loose grouping of friends who thought, yeah, you know, we've got a couple of the ingredients here that would be necessary for us to try to walk in these waters. So why don't we give it a try? And then we kind of uh, identified what we thought the first market inefficiency was, was retention. So we wanted that to be our focus coming out of the gate. And that was, you know, really, that was kind of an easy decision, to be honest with you. I mean, when you look at what was out there and what you had a chance to bring back uh, didn't, you know, didn't take a whole lot of mental power to decide that, you know, Jordan, Travis, Trey, Benson, Jared Burris, et cetera, those guys probably need to come back if you want to be good next year. So we thought we had a great opportunity 
to use retention as a uh, tool to introduce ourselves, both to the Florida State fan base and the broader college football world. And, you know, we were thrilled if you would have told us going into that, that we would have been able to get more or less everybody back. Uh, but Jamie, then that would have been something that we would have immediately jumped at. Now, there's a lot that goes into that. And obviously these guys have a great uh, love and, and care for each other. And, you know, there would have been a whole lot of camaraderie and, and uh, desire to keep that group together as much as possible. But we certainly were able to to help and you know the locker room and culture that Mike Norvell uh, has built has been critical to us uh, both in retention and then in every other step of the NIL landscape as we kind of get a little bit broader with it you don't um, you know it's it's easily said and and you see and uh, you know not to take shots at Dabo but if Dabo can compare it the talking lines and they're getting pretty good and pretty widely adapted but you don't you don't want to win because of NIL, right? You want to, you want to make sure you don't lose because of NIL. So you don't, you know, you don't want to go out and grab a kid only because, you know, you can create more marketing opportunities for him than anybody else out there. That may not be a win that in the long term you want to have, but you want to make sure that you're not, you know, losing out uh, because what you're doing is seen as a, a detriment compared to that of what your peers can offer. So, uh, you know, we think we've been able to, hit that space pretty quickly. And, and we've done some, you know, we'll make some mistakes and, and we'll do a couple of things that we probably uh, would have liked to have changed in retrospect uh, the longer that we're in this space, but we're always going to, you know, give it the old honest try. And, and we've got a ton of people that love Florida state deeply and are really excited to see what the future looks like. And that is the clear picture, right? Ingram early on, you mentioned roster retention. It is an area you and I have spoken before off the air about roster retention and in Florida state's emphasis, or I should say the battles in emphasis on that. Um, that's an area where you felt like early on, you had a pretty good understanding of the space, right? That that was an area that was safe. It was an area that was a need. Obviously you were right to focus on it as you pointed out, but it's also an area where you can't get in too much trouble with some of the blurred lines and some of the ambiguity when it comes to NIL. Yeah. The, the whole conversation of trouble is an interesting one in general. I mean, um, if, if, if Texas A&M is going to do what they have proposed out there, then that, that kind of goes against, uh, you know, some of the more prominent rules out there. And I think we're kind of quickly getting into a space to where we can look at ourselves in the mirror and be like, what, you know, this isn't a lawless landscape, but if who's enforcing it, why, and, and where are we going to run up against enforcement? So, uh, if you can more or less merge, the NIL and uh, an entity that has historically been looked at as, you know, kind of part of the uh, university athletic operating arm, then this landscape's going to look a whole lot different in 18 months or so. So I think that's the consistent here. There's always going to be change. Uh, we're just going to have to look around and, and be creative uh, in making sure that we stay in the lines. But um, it, to answer your question, Jeff, and not just speak, you know, broadly and metaphorically about a, uh, the NIL landscape, we knew we had to keep Jordan. You know, Jordan is a transcendent athlete and certainly would have probably stayed at Florida State. But um, Jordan was going to get an offer to, you know, we didn't want Jordan getting to the free to the open market. I'll put it that way. And we thought that if uh, you could get an agreement with Jordan, that that would help with each successive conversation uh, and that we were correct about that. And, you know, before we knew it, we were kind of got to the end of the finish line there with, with Jared, uh, Fabian and, 
and Jamie, and we're fairly confident that we were going to be able to keep at least two or three of those guys uh, in Tallahassee, and that ultimately is how it played out. Pull up the website in a second. I know you won't openly disparage other collectives um, around the country, uh, and I understand why. You're a professional, Ingram. Some of those collectives have chosen to reset the market and and oftentimes uh, offered, as we now know it's documented in some cases, have seen sums of money um, when they're seemingly uh, competing against themselves. It's It's been fascinating to watch the missteps, not saying, as you noted, that not everybody's perfect. Even you guys have some things you'd like to have done different, whatever that might be. Um, but I guess that gets me to the, the question, which is, how do you figure out in the course of roster retention what the market is? How, how do how yeah. do you navigate those waters? I don't need you to get into the you know the details necessarily. I don't want to I don't know get into the weeds, but I, I am curious because it's so new how you figure out value and what the market is for an individual on a roster. Sure, uh, complicated conversation, but I, I think an interesting one. And the other factor that goes there is. Uh, you've got to know what the market is for your coaching staff. So, you know, let's say you can go out and uh, say in two months, there's a a defensive end. That's the number one kid in the country or something like that. Um, And maybe you can go get him, but maybe you would have to pay that kid a level that you think is otherwise going to strap C4 and blow up your locker room. Is it really worth going out and getting that kid? I don't know. You've got to, you've got to have that conversation internally and decide whether or not what you're doing is, you know, are you doing it because you think it's the best for the overall program? Or are you doing it because you think uh, you're going to get splashed on social media and it'd be cool to have a moment or something like that? So I, I do think that you have to kind of weave all of this together. Uh, you have to be comfortable with what, you know, what your market is, is your market. And um, what your market <laughs> and the way that you interpret a market value probably isn't going to be the same thing that people view in Knoxville or Athens or Tuscaloosa or whatever. So uh, I think that you have to have your own idea as to where you can go. And and ultimately, you know, there is some wink, wink, nod, nod here or whatever, but th- there are marketing opportunities that have to be created. So you have to have a good understanding as to where your fan base is, where their support is, and and whether or not they're, you know, really going to be able to uh, to be in line with with that of what you think you can present to a kid. Ingram, you mentioned at the top of the interview that you wanted people to be able to kind of sit back. This was your goal. This was the way that you guys went about conducting business. Watch what we do. If you now want to be a part of what we do, here are our opportunities. That's in line with, one, the reason we're having this conversation on the show, and two, obviously, the release of the website. If you will, Tom, let's pull up the website and show people uh, what the battles in looks like and give them opportunities to perhaps go to the website and scroll through here. Um, as we talk about membership, Ingram, we talk about, you know, you had a mission statement there. We talk about um, how it is folks can join quote the family of the battles in and, and what it is you guys do provide the student athletes and what it is you guys are hoping to do moving forward. If you would speak on any of the topics there on the website, any of the, uh, various, I guess you would say, categories by which uh, folks can get involved in the membership benefits? Sure, absolutely. So we've got uh, five different tiers that are available. There's a 
tier called Foot Soldier, which is a 1993 monthly, a gold level, garnet, platinum, and diamond. Uh, gold is $100 a month, garnet's $250, platinum $500, and diamond is $1,000. You can set that up either for monthly or annual billing. And those have uh, detailed descriptions as to what's in, involved, everything from a a thank you note to a sideline access at a game. So there's, you know, you can you can live what on whatever part of the you know the spectrum that you feel comfortable with and and that of what you want to get involved. We also, in addition to that, we'll have exclusive game day events. Uh, we'll have memorabilia and our own little marketplace for that. That's one of the kind of most natural partnerships uh, with these kids. Is a is a lot of signed memorabilia that we can present over the course of the year. We'll have away game experiences. That's kind of a whole different part of the uh, the fan base or those who, you know, this is a broad national fan base. And, you know, maybe there's a guy in Chicago who gets to come to two games every three years or something like that. And that uh, just because he's not in, uh, you know, in the Moore Center six times a year doesn't mean that that fan doesn't need to be engaged with or presented opportunities. And then we've got kind of a unique engagement uh, opportunity tab, which um, uh, we have a picture from the Super Bowl there where we were able to fly Jordan and Trey out there for an event. But that's more just kind of like, hey, how creative do you want to get with this? You have an interest in going fishing with Jared, Jared Verse or, um, you know, whatever it is. So the unique engagement opportunities is just kind of as, as big of a dream as you want to uh, put with it, but I think the other stuff is probably a little bit more self-explanatory. Ingram, final thing, and you didn't you didn't bring this up to me, but I know of this because I've talked to you before about it. I think one of the things that folks should know about the Battles in, I don't work for the Battles in, so uh, know that this is just coming out because I think it's important. Uh, one of the things that I was worried about when we began to learn about NIL and collectives in general and how this was going to work was it had to be more than just about the money. The money is very important. The bottom line is you're not going to get kids if you don't have the money or you don't have those opportunities, whatever it might be. But also, I think being more involved in how that money is used and, and teaching the student athlete uh, how best to utilize those uh, situations and, and opportunities. Uh, the Battles Inn does exactly that. I don't know how comfortable you are talking about that, but if you'd like to speak on big picture, it's not just about the money. Uh, the Battles Inn is seeking to be more than that, correct? Absolutely, and I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about that. That is really, um, you know, my co-founder's whole dream of this. Now, obviously, uh, if you're going to play in the space that is uh, the NIL landscape, you have to have significant resources behind you. And, and resources means that there's a, you know, you're using those resources. Uh, so money is certainly a part of it, but we want uh, money to only be a part of it. You know, we want this to be uh, more than a paycheck. We want to provide these kids with best in class uh, financial advisors, financial literacy, budgeting. Uh, we really want this to be kind of the platform that these kids can use uh, to jump into their professional life, whether that be as a, you know, nine-year pro in the NFL or, or whether that be as a uh, IT analyst uh, for, you know, a, a consulting company in a couple of years. Uh, this is a, look, you, you get all your, you know, you, you have incredible demand. So I'm not like watering those down at all, but you get so many of your kind of uh, organic expenses paid for as a student athlete. Uh, that, yeah, you maybe you're able to pair with us for a couple of years, uh, leave college debt free, leave college uh, armed and equipped with uh, life skills that 
maybe uh, just the program itself wouldn't have been able to otherwise provide. And uh, we want this to be a positive impact, obviously, on these kids for the three to five years that they're in Tallahassee, but, uh, you know, to have meaningful impact on them uh, for the next 40 years as they as they navigate life as well. He's Ingram Smith, the CEO of The Battle's End. Go to thebattlesend.com. Learn about opportunities to partner with The Battle's End if you so choose, if you like what they've done so far and where this is headed. Ingram, it's a great pleasure to talk with you, buddy. I'll talk to you again down the line. Be well, man. Jeff, Tom, whole team at Warchant, really appreciate you having me on today. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Take care. It's Ingram Smith again, CEO of The Battle's End. Go to thebattlesend.com. We'll come back, react to that momentarily. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Appreciate you joining us. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, next hour, by the way, Alex Atkins set to join us. Want to continue to bang that and promote that, obviously, as uh, he joins us next hour. Uh, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and uh, a guy that's got an abundance of uh, talented players to work with this go around. So that's coming up uh, next hour. Ingram uh, Smith joined us this hour, obviously, and uh, that was fun to hear from him. Battles in CEO, the battles the website to learn more there. Anything uh, revealed there, Tom, you did, didn't know, uh, excited about, uh, want to uh, respond to, I thought, I thought obviously uh, beyond just the website release, I think people need to know. And I, that's why I brought it up that one of the things I like, I'm not saying other groups aren't doing this. I'm just, I know for a fact they are, which is the whole money literacy thing and, and trying to go beyond the money. Yeah, I just hope that the players take advantage of that particular advantage. When we were kids, all of us, not athletes specifically, we were all invincible. And sometimes you think that you'll have, figure it all out. But when you are exposed to, and, and by, na- by the nature of a collective or a booster community, the people that are at the top of that booster level, uh, it, you know, on that side of it or in the collective, if you're the group spending the, you know, couple grand a month, you likely are a successful business person or successful in, in some realm that you can share that knowledge with somebody who is just beginning whatever their career is going to be. And it's tough at 19, 20 years old to hear anything from anybody. But, you know, if you're an athlete who's going to be joining a collective and you have somebody who has made lots of money and has been very successful telling you a thing or two that could maybe speed up your career, including the basics like financial literacy, hopefully. Yeah. They listened to that. But the, the interesting thing to me in that interview was just you kind of got a peek behind the curtain as to what their approach was for this offseason, which is 
This is a domino effect. And the most important domino here is getting Jordan Travis to return to the, to the program and to do so before he has an idea to hit the open market. That, that phrasing I thought was interesting as well. We got to make sure it, it sounds so much like free agency at the professional level, which is we got to make sure that we know he wants to come back, but that we can reach an amicable, amicable agreement with him before there's whispers from the outside, because Jordan Travis is a talent who would have been sought after by a lot of programs on the outside for a one-year run at a playoff berth or a national title. So just to hear the philosophy of how they went about their retention plan was was fascinating to me. Remind you a little bit, going back a ways for people who can do this, uh, Russell Wilson was at NC State, and for whatever reason, they were iffy as to how much they wanted him to come back at that time. I believe Glennon was the backup, right? Is that not correct? Um, uh, Mike Glennon was the backup. Yeah. yeah, Glennon was the backup. And they thought they had something special in Glennon when, in fact, the th something special was their starting quarterback. Now, it was a different era. Uh, but it, off to Wisconsin is where Russell went. And they were stuck starting Mr. Glennon. And uh, you go back and you think about those kinds of situations is what I'm getting at, where had NC State had the wherewithal and had the landscape been different, they would have realized that prioritizing your do everything, all everything starting quarterback is how the dominoes fall in your favor. Mm -hmm. And uh, clearly that's what we're speaking of here with the battle's end effort to make sure that you get Jordan Travis back into the fold, because from there, much of what happens next hinges upon that kind of commitment from the starting quarterback, meaning the other players are watching very closely what it is they're returning to. And, what they're returning to is the college version of Superman at quarterback after just one year of transforming who he is. There is a thought that he'll get even better and that he's potentially going to be even better. And you would want to be part of that. If you were a wide receiver, if you were a running back, if you were an offensive lineman, hell, if you're a member of the football team of any kind and you had an opportunity to go elsewhere, you'd like to really measure what it is you're leaving. And what you would have been leaving is potentially the opportunity, certainly described by us numerous times, uh, to be a college football playoff team because of a Jordan Travis. So that domino fell early on because of their emphasis on roster retention. I thought, too, the second part of that, the insight we got about really kind of figuring out what is the market. And I think that has got to be, I don't know this for sure. I have had said, it's obvious just from that interview, I have had some conversations with Ingram in the past, but I, I think it's very, very difficult for a lot of these programs, unless you just have an open checkbook like Texas A&M does and some others. If you have an open checkbook, well, it really doesn't matter if you overpay because your money is not is no object, as they say. In, in the end, it does matter, though. It does, because you can fracture the locker room. I agree. It, it, yeah. Yes, but that you could also there's going to be a point at which if you're investing in a collective that you as the investor are done. You're like, I'm done with this. Well, and yes, you're speeding up the process of that. If you set the market in a yeah. bad way, a precedent for yourself in, in future years, because, you know, as this thing develops, the agent and the agencies that represent these players in college football are going to be better at their jobs. And, you know, perhaps they'll be professionally certified. That's something that's going on right now is like there's this battle between professionally certified agents who aren't being used and family members or friends or, or people who aren't yes. qualified are instead negotiating and brokering these deals. And that's why you're seeing these wild outcomes. But as the agent and the representation gets better, if you put a bid out there for Jordan Travis, and this isn't the real dollar figure, but you say, 
man, we can't afford to not have him. Give him five million dollars. Right. Well, then the next kid that's in that position is worth at least five point two or five point five. So you've only sped up your process of saying no, Moss. I'm out of here. That's that's the hard part is you you're setting a market in so many different ways against the competition, but then against yourself. And you've got to be very smart before you make a decision and very sure of yourself before you decide to put a dollar figure next to somebody's name. But I will add one other thing, which is when it comes to influencers on the social media side of things, that is a very well-established market in popular culture. Correct. You have X number of followers or uh, whatever it is, likes on whatever page you have, be it IG or TikTok or YouTube. That is worth just a flat dollar rate per post or per video or per message that they can they can take a look at that and say, all right, well, here's the base value on the social media side. But then when it comes to the, you know, the athletic side or, or the you know representation of a fan base that has a footprint throughout the southeast, that gets much more difficult to quantify. Yeah. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why we know all the time that most football players are low on the rung of the ladder. Uh, when it comes to major big time corporations and companies deciding to sink money into them as an, as a, as a phase four or an advertiser for their product, they don't have a million followers the way that the gymnast at LSU does, Mm -hmm. uh, the way that, uh, we our own in our own backyard. Yeah, that's right. All right. We've had multiple soccer players that have come through here that have had a global following. So that, that is different. You know, when you have something like that, that that's worthy of investing in most college football players don't have that at all. And, and, and even, even really talented elite college football, you could be two time, all ACC, all SEC, whatever it might be, middle linebacker, 50,000 followers, maybe, maybe, right. I mean, you're, you know, so you don't see that. So, it's fascinating figuring out the market and listening to him talk about that and watching these collectives, those that have gotten it wrong, really wrong publicly, been uh, obviously duly noted at the University of Florida where they've butchered this and really looked foolish. Um, Miami, when you talk about resetting the market and you're negotiating against yourself and you're doing something that nobody else would do out of sheer desperation to matter, which they haven't in over 20 years, you watch the folly in something like that. And therefore you watch very intently your own collective saying, let's not be that. Yeah. Let's not do that. First of all, Florida state can't afford to do that. We don't have endless money. This is not Notre Dame or Texas A&M or schools of that ilk where if they screw it up, I, you know, I equate it to the Yankees. If the Yankees screw up in free agency, they just signed the guy that they didn't sign before. Who's now proven to be the right guy with the Pittsburgh pirates or the Kansas city Royals or whomever. And they think nothing of the fact that they swung and missed on the wrong free agent and gave them a hundred million dollars. Most franchises can't do that. Most football programs can't do that. And so if you're not one of those kinds of programs, you really have to know what you're capable of. You've got to maximize that revenue. You've got to figure out how uh, you disperse that revenue to balance throughout your roster. Roster retention was the focus here. I think they'll expand that moving forward. It is a, it's a fascinating time in college football, Tom. It's a weird time, and it's an ever-changing landscape and space that we continue to monitor. So well, uh, we'll see. And I, one quick note, too, it's just this is something that the uh, the mothership, the parent company, put out the other day. This is Shannon Terry's tweet about market value. And I think we're going to see this. This makes sense. You know, obviously, on three wants to be very involved in the sphere. And you can see that in, in the coverage at the national side of things do. But the essence of this tweet is saying that 
originally the projection was that an elite school was going to spend about eight to ten million dollars annually. It's now in the three to five million dollar range. Yeah, of course. Of course. Until corporate sponsorships get involved with this straight up dudes that are entrepreneurs and women that have made a lot of money in, in their own private life aren't just going to be shelling out endless sums of money because they want 10 wins instead of eight. Well, it's a stupid return on investment. You get nothing back other than your ego and your pride for having a good football team in a singular season or two. It's dumb. You can't shell. I said this right from the get go. You're going to give what? $9 million, $30 million, $25 million in a year. What do you get back in return? Hey, my team's good. Great. Good. Good. What, what are you getting long to? You're going to do it again next year. Yeah. After that. That that better be an executive suite for life with uh, an open bar for life, you know, well, and, some, and some other things. I mean, I've got yeah. to tell you what. I mean, goodness gracious! I mean, I <laughs> wasn't. Hey, hey. <laughs> Hour number two, forthcoming. Alex Atkins going to join us. Jeff Cameron, ninety-three-three Real Talk Radio War Chant. 